Hi, I'm Richard, the founder of 10 Adventures, and this is the 10 Adventures podcast. Each week, we talk to real people about real adventures as they explore this incredible planet we all live on. Welcome back to the 10 Adventures podcast. Uh, When I go on social media every day, I'm seeing ski resorts posting about their early season snowfalls and I just booked another ski weekend myself. And so we're going to be talking about all things skiing today, specifically in Western Canada. And here to uh, guide us along the way is Alex Ross. Alex is the founder of the award-winning Canadian tour company, Fresh Adventures. uh, And they have lots of great summer adventures, but also some really cool ski safaris. Hi, Alex. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Richard. So good to be here. Uh, Number two with you now. Yeah, yeah, we t- we've talked about summer and now we're back talking about winter and um, I don't know about you, but I love winter in the Rockies. It's like such a different vibe. It's, you know, a lot quieter. Uh, you go all over, you know, from Whistler to, to Banff. Do you find the same thing that it's just got this really mellow, you know, experience for people that, that come out? Honestly, one of my most memorable times of winter was coming out of the uh, subway in Toronto, actually, where... I went into the subway and it was fall and I came out of the subway downtown and there was like two inches of snow and everything was super quiet. So absolutely Banff, the Rockies, Whistler, all over Canada. Winter's just a really magical time for me. Um, I think some of my favorites are the low light. As the sun gets lower in the sky, there's that beautiful golden light coming through for t- photography, which is definitely one of my five favorite times of day. And everything's just so quiet and, and still in the winter. So absolutely. And the Rockies are definitely one of my favorite places yeah i i love the fact that there's like there's no sound and uh one of my happy places just shovel in my driveway and people think i'm crazy but it's just there's no sound after a big snowfall it's just so special uh but let's let's talk about winter um you know when people think of skiing they think of downhill but there's other types of skiing you can do uh here in canada what are some other ones that, that you do with your guests? So funny you say, we basically just downhill ski with our guests and that's because it's just such a passion for me. Growing up, uh, we, we did cross-country ski and snowshoe. My parents finally decided when I was 12 years old it was time to get us into downhill skiing because my brother and I were just about breaking our ankles doing 360s off jumps on our cross-country skis at the tobogganing hills nearby. Um, so that being said, there this cross-country skiing super fun it's a great kind of low pressure low intensity way to get out into the wilderness and enjoy being outside same with snowshoeing fantastic exercise and the perfect mix between that and downhill skiing is backcountry that's kind of been my personal main focus for the last 10 years it's basically cross-country skiing up the mountain and then you get to have the fun on the way down still do those 360s nearly break your ankles and uh it kind of ties it all together for me Wicked. Let, let's talk a little bit about the diversity of uh, skiing. And we're going to focus only on Western Canada. I know there's skiing in Quebec and Ontario. The big mountains and the big snows are out west. Um, maybe maybe talk us through kind of in kind of, you know, themes. How do the, uh, the ski hills and the terrain and the snow change as you move from Whistler east towards uh, the Rockies and uh, Banff? Yeah, for sure. And it changes a lot. Um, Western Canada is absolutely blessed for for snowfall and skiing and winter conditions 
Um, I'd say probably the number one thing that we have going for us is the Pacific Ocean, which is a massive amount of water just waiting to get turned into snow. Um, and then further to the east, we have tons of mountains, the coast mountains. Uh, we have the top of the Cascades. Uh, and then we've got the Kootenays. There we've got the coast mountains. We've got the top of the Cascades. We've got the Kootenay ranges and we've got the Rockies. We've got cold air coming down from the Arctic. Uh, we've got dry air in the Rockies. We've got really wet air on the Pacific coast. And when they all meet, it's absolutely magic. Um, I'd say the biggest things you can notice as you travel from one region to another is the type of snow, a bit of the terrain and the temperature and weather. So starting in the Rockies, we've got that cold, dry snow. There's not quite as much as the coast, but it's really light. It's super fun and it lasts from November all the way to the end of May. As you get closer to the coast, places like Whistler, you get really wet, plentiful snow. It snows an absolute ton. Um, but it's much heavier. You got to be a little more disciplined. Uh, it's not quite as light and fluffy as the Rockies. They both have their trade-offs. I can't pick between the two, so I just go right in between. That's the Kootenai region. That's kind of where the cold air meets that coastal air. And that's, that's my playground. And yeah, you get a lot of snow and it can be fairly dry, especially as you get higher. When you, know, you have guests on your ski safaris, do they ever talk about how Canada compares to Europe or, or skiing in Europe or skiing in uh, the U.S.? Yeah, totally. Uh, pretty much every single tour is like a big roundtable argument about where's the best place to ski. Um, but the the smile on their faces, the high fives, the whoops, that says it all for me. And the fact that they're totally exhausted, like a bowl of mush in the hot tub at the end of the day. Um, I know they, they absolutely love Western Canada. The Alps, it sounds like, is super beautiful, really fun, definitely a lot more crowded, uh, different conditions. It's it's higher up, typically um, closer to the sun. Um, then you have places like Japan, which have much more mellow terrain, but much more snow and really light snow. Uh, and then places like the States that are very similar to Canada, with some slight nuances um, and specifically a lot more crowds as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I pretend I'm the big expert on skiing around the world, but really I just can't leave Canada. It's too much fun. Yeah. What I've found is just the lack of crowds and uh, I used to live in Europe. So you know, there are these incredible ski resorts, but pretty much January, February, and most of March, you spend more time in line waiting to, to get on a lift because they're just swamped. And the States now recently has gotten super, super busy that uh, I remember being down in Vail um, a couple years ago and it was just like, it was insane. Like it was, everything was an hour wait for every single lift. And then I come back to Canada and uh, I'm not lying, but midweek you, you just ski on to the lift. Like you come down, you, you run, there's no one in line. You kind of, you're skiing, you don't have to stop and you just ski right on. And people can't believe it considering the train and the snow. I almost hate doing this podcast because eventually more people are going to show up here. That'll be jam. But uh, I think just, yeah, this, this train, the snow, and then the lack of crowds, you can ski more, but also there's just a tranquility when you have an entire run to yourself, you can, you know, just enjoy, enjoy skiing without worrying about, oh, I've got to, got to get over to this lift. I got to, you know, there's a thousand people on the run with me, or I got to make this run count because I've got to wait in line for an hour. There's something, you know, really special here. Oh, absolutely. I feel the same as you. I mean, I do collaborative blog posts and media pieces with different uh, ski websites and places. And uh, it's all about the Powder Highway, which is kind of my little secret, along with a bunch of other people. But um, 
you know what the way I, th- I think of it is first of all there's so much backcountry so if you're into that that it's just never going to be crowded and uh as as crowds start to move into canada which which definitely hasn't happened yet but it will when they figure out what's going on up here there's always further north so they're they're great resorts further north that uh nobody even thinks about going to so let's talk about some actual resorts going from whistler and uh, just north of Vancouver, all the way out to the Banff region. And uh, there's a few kind of specific areas we'll touch on, but let's talk about Whistler. And uh, a lot of people know it, you know, they've heard of it, but they don't know what to expect. And so how would you describe Whistler for people who have, you know, never been there? Disneyland comes to mind, first <laughs> of all. It's uh, it's sort of like Marine World. It's it's massive. Whistler Blackcomb, the largest acreage in Canada, maybe North America as well, I think. Wouldn't be surprised if it was North America. Um, they've got a lot of vertical, ton of snow, too many chairlifts to count, but a great village at the bottom that's pretty big and very spacious. Um, Whistler is the first place that people think of around the world. A lot of the inquiries that we actually get for our tours are people saying, "Hey, I'm planning a trip to Whistler. Can you help me?" And the, to be honest, the first thing I help them with is not going there. But um, uh, that being said, Whistler is honestly, it's incredible. It's a, a beautiful place, something that people should experience if they really like skiing. That being said, Whistler is the forefront of crowding in Canada. It, it is the place where, where things actually do get crowded. Uh, Whistler's now on the Vale Pass, which is the Epic Pass. Um, I believe a date ticket there is almost $300 now, which is <laughs> that that's transformed a lot. So, I was happy to have explored Whistler a bunch 10 years ago. And, uh, at this point now it's, yeah, it's, it's not my place, but again, it, I mean, the waffle houses, the boutique shops and the massive hill is a big draw for a lot of people. Yeah. I, I think, you know, it's just got this huge range of terrain. It gets a lot of snow. The one thing I've found is actually the lower mountain can get really wet. It can rain down there. So even though it's this massive acreage, a lot of times part of the, you know, part of the hill, you can't really enjoy skiing. And as you said, it's crowded. It's a really cool village. It's really vibrant, but it's also expensive. And like the days of being able to take a family for a ski week in Whistler for the vast majority of people, I don't think those exist anymore because even looking at Airbnb, it's, it's expensive. You know, it's, it's super, super pricey to, to go there unless you want to be really, really remote enough to drive, essentially drive to the lifts every day, which kind of you lose the joy of being a Whistler if you're having to commute every day. For sure. Yeah. I mean, and that being said, of course, you can still have an amazing time there. Uh, let's move to a place I actually have never skied. I'm going skiing there this year for the first time, but it's the Okanagan. And so I know a lot of people have been there in the summer. You know, it's this beautiful, you know, series of lakes. It's warm. There are vineyards there. And they're always surprised where the heck do people ski here uh, near Vernon or Kelowna or Kamloops? And there's actually some pretty good skiing there. Um, but maybe describe the resorts there and and what people can expect. Absolutely, yeah. The Okanagan is not to be overlooked. I, I like to think of the Okanagan as like a big family region. I think you said you're you're bringing your family there. We're going to Sun Peaks. We got Mountain Collective, and so we're going to Sun Peaks or do a, a ski safari ourselves. And I've always wanted to go. People, I, my sister said it's one of the best family hills uh, she's ever been. Totally, yeah. You know what? I I don't have a lot of experience skiing in the Okanagan, but I've had just hours and hours of conversations about it and and talked to people at the hills and and been up at the hills even without skiing big white sun peaks overstar 
Uh, and I'd probably lump Apex in there as well. Mm-hmm. Those are all amazing hills, fantastic place to bring a family. They're pretty well established, great infrastructure. They're built up. A lot of it is ski in, ski out. There are shuttles to get in and out, which that's that's actually a pretty important thing in Western Canada. A lot of the mountains don't have good access. Airports are like a half day's drive away. There are no shuttles or bus once a day at like midnight. Um, so just the ease of access for the Okanagan is is a huge, huge attraction. It's in the rain shadow behind the coast mountains, which doesn't mean it doesn't get any snow. It just means it's got a much drier climate, which means that the snow it does get is really dry. They actually, I believe it was them that coined the term champagne powder. I think that was Big White. Yeah, yeah, I think it's I think it's Big White. That was their uh, marketing a guru came up with that. Yeah, I think their trademark must have run out because I see a lot of resorts claiming they have champagne powder <laughs> now. But uh, yeah, they're I think they're the ones that started that. So if if I were recommending resorts to a family, especially a family with younger children, I would 100% go straight for the Okanagan. That's that's a great place. And it's surprisingly close to Vancouver. Like I think uh, Kelowna is only about four and a half hours drive from Vancouver. So if you are you know in that area. You know, it's not like one of these crazy, you know, six hour drives you have to deal with. Yeah, no, absolutely. And another huge consideration when I'm planning ski trips and, and ski resorts in Western Canada, you're driving through mountain passes. Mountain passes are totally unpredictable. Most of them are lined with avalanche corridors. Um, the highways close frequently and getting from Vancouver to the Okanagan is very easy. A, because you can fly right over those mountain passes to Kelowna Airport. And there are, I believe, three three or four different roads that go from Vancouver to uh, the Okanagan area. So if one of them is closed, sometimes for two days at a time, there are ways around it. So you're not going to get stranded there and you know you're going to make it there. Uh, that is the type of insight from someone who's running tours that has to deal with closures. Uh, yeah, it's not the kind of thing people usually think about, but but it's definitely important out here. And you know, one thing I'll I'll say, I have a childhood friend who lives in Kelowna, and they have a cabin up at Big White. And every week, you know, his family are all skiers. Every week, it just seems like blower pow, just like tons of snow. Like it seems they get a good amount of snow, and I don't think anyone skis at all week. So it's just when they go on the weekends, it just seems like this these incredible snow days. Obviously, he doesn't post when it's you know boring, but. Geez, it seems to get more powder days there than we do here in uh, around Banff. Yeah, I think that's definitely another thing they're known for is just kind of consistency. So you talked a little bit earlier about the powder highway, which I know is something that, you know, when I'm abroad and talking to people who love to ski, that's what they talk about is this powder highway. And uh, maybe do you want to describe, you know, for people that don't know what it is, describe what the powder highway is and kind of how you think of it in terms of, you know, if you're looking at it, I'm looking at it on a map. Powder Highway, I mean, that's that's my bread and butter. That's my uh, outer favorite playground and uh, where I basically went there for the first time, I guess, probably 12 years ago now and haven't left. It's it's paradise for me anyway. It, it's a place that I go to escape crowds. It's where I go for the best snow, for the funnest terrain, uh, the most vibrant ski towns. It's got the best climate in my books. It's just incredible. Uh, so the Powder Highway lies right between the Coast Mountains and the Rockies in a range called the Kootenays. The Kootenays are a sub-bunch of ranges of the Columbia Mountains, which stretch from the northwest on the Pacific Ocean right down 
uh, into Idaho and parts of Washington. Um, so the Kootenays are a massive mountain range. They are the edge of the Pacific plate that collided with the North American plate. Uh, and they, just like the Rockies, they crumpled up a few kilometers thick of rock and created this epic, epic mountain range. In my opinion, it's a perfect mix between kind of hard coastal rock and crumbly Rockies sort of rock. Um, which if you're like a real terrain connoisseur, that's important because it means there are lots of couloirs, but there's also lots of steep kind of gnarly terrain in there. Um, the Kootenays are really lucky to get hit with that coastal snowpack that I was talking about earlier, but they also get the cold air from the Rockies. So when those come together, that is, in my opinion, the absolute perfect mix. You don't have that heavy snow from Whistler. You don't have that kind of thin cold snowpack in the Rockies. You get it all. It's tricky to get to. You can fly to Kelowna. You can fly to Calgary. Either way, you're going to be driving a minimum of three hours and easily five or six hours to get to the resorts that you decide to go to. But absolutely worth it. And to be honest, that's that's where we've kind of cut our teeth. Uh, so we run tours that make it easier for people to get to all these resorts. Uh, so we'll, we'll pick people up and lump uh, many of the resorts together. And that's what's so special about the Powder Highway is I think there are seven, seven or eight resorts on this stretch of highway that goes in a big circle with an airport on either end of it. So you can you can combine mountains like Revelstoke, Kicking Horse, Panorama, Fernie, Kimberly, uh, Whitewater, Red Mountain. Those are kind of the main ones that I typically tie into tours. There are other smaller hills on there like Summit Lake Ski Area and there's uh, Fairmont Hot Springs as well. But yeah, so those are the main ones. They're known for tons of snow. They're known for great terrain, low crowds, good cold weather, um, long winters. I, I could go on all day, but uh, I'll, I'll cut it there. You know, you, you mentioned just running tours where, you know, you guys get a group and take them from resort to resort. And I think what some people don't realize is just how wintry and how mountainous, you know, these roads are that. Uh, there's some really hairy driving that if you're not used to driving in winter, it's not a super fun experience. And almost every winter I'll be up on the Icefields Parkway that's the road between uh, uh, Lake Louise and Jasper. And you'll see people pulled over or people driving at 20 kilometers an hour and people just terrified. Uh, you know, people ask questions, am I in Jasper yet? And you know, <laughs> no, you got three more hours. It is it is a tricky, you know, tricky place to drive and going on a with somebody who has the right vehicle, the right tires, and the experience, it takes a lot of the stress off. Also, it takes, you know, keeps you fresh, so you're not sitting there with a white knuckle four hour drive after a day skiing, uh, and then too tired the next day to ski. Oh, that is absolutely yeah. I actually I drove that Ice Hill Parkway on a tour years ago, and it got so bad that the snowplow pulled over. Oh, really? Which I, I'd never seen that before, but we had to keep going. So. We basically got fresh tracks, about a foot of pow, going down that highway for Jeez. at least half of it. Jeez, that's tough. But yeah, we, we got there and, and it was, everyone lived and told the tale. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've never seen that happen before. So so let's just talk briefly about each of the resorts. And when I think of the Powder Highway, I think of there's, you know, the West Kootenai side and the East Kootenai. The West Kootenai being Whitewater, Red Mountain. And then they feel like Revy is kind of like right on the border of the two. But maybe describe, let's start with Whitewater because I know that's like, the ultimate local favorite or maybe maybe red's the ultimate local favorite but those are the two that kind of like the mystical ones here in calgary for great snow and terrain 
Yeah. Okay. So the, there are two clear leaders for snow, uh, annual snowfall. That's Whitewater and Revelstoke. Both of those are in the 40 to 45 foot range, I believe. I could be off by a couple of feet, but they get, they get about 40 something feet of snow every winter, which is more than enough. Mm -hmm. Like that is double a lot of resorts that are known for snow. Um, so those are like the two massive, massive heavy hitters. Statistically, the other resorts get roughly kind of half that. The, the other resorts that, that we talked about, like uh, Red Mountain, Fernie, uh, Kicking Horse. But that's not to say that they're half as good for sure. But yeah, getting back to Whitewater and Rollstoke, those are the ones that I think of when I think of like plentiful snow, huge pillows, big, big poofs of snow on top of trees. And Whitewater, I'd say, is definitely on the forefront of not being crowded. Uh, it's got... Last I was there, no cell reception at the base of the mountain or anywhere on the mountain. It's easy to lose people. They don't have a ton of groomed runs. I think they're probably like, I don't know, maybe 10 or so kind of main main runs that are groomed. The majority of the resort is tree skiing or ungroomed. And I think that's what makes it so special. It's it's like a step back in time. Um, and if you have if you've been paying attention to the ski industry you, you probably see there are a lot of these passes you mentioned the mountain collective pass uh there's also the icon pass and the epic pass and as these big corporations are buying up more resorts or funding them and, and partnering with them whitewater is being a bit of a stick in the mud and uh throwbacks they're they're not on any of the passes they're they're pretty much the only i think they're actually the only major ski resort on the powder highway now that's not on one of the passes so that's definitely, I mean, a bummer for pass holders, but for people that just want to ski and don't want any nonsense, that's like a huge perk. And then in terms of the base areas, so if you look at Whitewater, Red, Red Mountain, and Revelstoke, are these places where people can, you know, find a Airbnb or a hotel in the base area uh, like they can in the Okanagan? Uh, more and more so. Uh, Whitewater, definitely not until I believe this year, or maybe it was last year, they, they're launching Hummingbird Lodge. Um, no Airbnbs or anything at, at the base. There, there aren't even houses down there. Um, there are Airbnbs in town, which is about uh, 20 minutes from the base of Whitewater. Red Mountain's got uh, Rosalind right at the base of it. It's got Airbnbs, hotels, motels, hostels, everything you, you could need around there. Revelstoke, again, the, the mountain's right on the edge of the town, so everything you need is right in town. That being said, there is ski and ski out accommodation that's owned by the mountain and a few lodges right at the base of the mountain as well that you can just ski right onto the hill. Fernie has a pretty established base as well. I don't believe there are probably, ah, uh, there might be some Airbnbs there. I haven't checked, but uh, are there? Yeah, there are. There are. I, I know. Um... I just want to say one thing about Revy is uh, Revelstoke, the on-hill accommodation, it is not budget focused. It's really focused on kind of five stars. So uh, most people end up, end up staying in town. And then we were talking about Fernie. I've booked it. Well, actually, I've, I think I've booked it on booking.com, but essentially it's someone's little, you know, condo that they rent out by the night. So it's similar to Airbnb, just I've always booked them on booking.com. Yeah, I've got a plan. If I ever win the lottery, I'm going to be staying at the Bison Lodge at Railstoke for the entire week. <laughs> it's, uh, I don't even know what it is per night. I, I met the chef on the chairlift and I've seen helicopters taking off out of their front yard. There are hot tubs, saunas, all the fun stuff, and it's right on the edge of the mountain. But again, it's it's definitely not a hostel. 
So we started talking about Fernie and, and I always think of Fernie, Kicking Horse and Panorama as being kind of the Eastern Kootenays. And for me, those are three super different mountains in terms of, uh, those are ones I've skied all the time, but in terms of terrain and snow, um, but you know, you go there all the time. Uh, what, what's your take on those three? Yeah, no, uh, they definitely are the Eastern, uh, resorts on the Powder Highway and they are, like you said, they're super different from each other. Um, I would kind of put Fernie in the same category as like a wreck mountain. It's got a lot of kind of old time charm, um, some old lifts along with some new ones. It, it kind of feels like you're going to like Kodiak mountain from hot tub time machine. Um, <laughs> uh, it's, it's just a great culture there. Uh, and they've got lots of snow as well. They're not not like the other Eastern resorts that, that are limited on snow. Um, my one, I guess, drawback on Fernie is it's either epic or, or it can get rain. I think there's a valley just south of there that comes from the Southwest that brings up some warmer air systems occasionally. Um, but that same valley can bring up some really nice wet weather that dumps on the mountain. That is the issue. Like I've had so many, you know, weekends where the Saturday is, you know, incredible snow and they have these really high stunning bowls that are a ton of fun to explore. You get lifts right up to the top. Um, but then rain comes in and rain, not like a Whistler where rain kind of stops mid mountain. It can rain right up to the top. I think the top elevation is only about, uh, I think 21 or 2200 meters. And so the hardest part is if you're going to fly in from overseas, you know, as you said, it's totally binary. It's either going to be epic because it's dumping snow or you're going to be stuck in, you know, a little mountain town or on hill, um, where you literally, you can't ski at all when it's raining and, uh, they do have a really fun base area there. So there are, you know, houses you can rent and condos. There's not really any nightlife. So it's not like Whistler where there's stuff to do. There's a couple restaurants, but if you just want to wake up and put your skis on and start skiing, which is something I love doing, um, it's, and it can be pretty reasonable in Fernie as well. It doesn't have the demand as other places. This is actually a great point that you mentioned there. Um, the nightlife, as I hadn't even mentioned that yet. If if anybody's looking for nightlife, the Powder Highway is absolutely horrendous. <laughs> yes. Easily the worst place to ski. <laughs> There's no app not where you want to go. Yeah, yeah. Apri skiing for us is like chicken wings and dark beer. Don't bring your dancing shoes. You, you won't have to take your ski boots off. Like it is. It's not like the Alps. <laughs> um, you start talking a bit about kicking horse and. Uh, how would you describe Kicking Horse compared to everything else we've talked about? So Kicking Horse is my personal favorite. I'm going to try and keep this to at least uh, less than half an hour. <laughs> but um, no, it's honestly, Kicking Horse is incredible. It's It gets less snow than places like Whitewater and Revelstoke, but it stays cold because the valley that Kicking Horse is in is directly a straight line from the Arctic. So cold air just funnels in there and it meets these storms that come in from the west. The the mountains are, it, I guess it's maybe because it's on the east side, it's in the Purcells and Selkirks, like right where they meet, which is kind of two sub-ranges of the Kootenai region. It's unbelievable. It's unlike, so Revelstoke and Whitewater, it's mostly tree skiing. It's a lot of trees. There's some alpine. Kicking Horse is almost all alpine with a bit of tree skiing. So if you're into steeps, bowls, couloirs, um, spiny, alpine mountain goat type of runs kicking horse is like a jigsaw puzzle and it'll keep you busy for seasons i've been going there for 12 years i still like usually on my first run of the day i'll just yard sail down like an entire couloir and uh there's something about it that just keeps me coming back the side country is incredible and the steep skiing is just mind-blowing like it 
it's it's too much fun that being said it also has green runs from top to bottom beautiful views of the rockies it's got a really nice actually we we're talking about apre it's got a great place for apre at the top as well eagle's nest i believe eagles yeah eagle's nest or eagle's eye um they have mulled wine and nice food and stuff like that with incredible views i cannot get enough of that place i think it's eagle's nest it has to be one of the nicest views of any uh any restaurant or kind of like uh yeah drink area in in the rockies uh it's also got golden which is you know kind of like a 10 or 15 minute drive away so you can stay quite cheaply in golden um or you can stay on them on on the hill but again it's a bit like uh, Fernie and that it's got stuff there, but it's not got like a nightlife or anything. It's just, you know, if you want to ski and ski out, you can, you can do it there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. If you, it's easy to mingle with the locals, you go down to the river house and just try not to get punched in the face. And, uh, <laughs> keep in mind, Golden is kind of, it's a kind of becoming, it's having a debut as a ski town, but at the same time, it's, it's a logging town, the sawmill, like right in the middle of downtown. Um, so it's, it's, I wouldn't say rough and tumble, but it's like a rustic kind of really authentic place people aren't in fancy gore-tex it's it's ripped up stuff with big red beards and pretty much skiing with chainsaws <laughs> it's it's kind of like a real throwback and, and i love that about it it's actually one of the places that are toughest for shuttles they last i checked do not have a shuttle that goes from town to kicking bars. um i believe there might be like a private shuttle available to get from the airport to town but other than that you're pretty much on your own so um, if you're planning a trip there, you either want to join a tour that's going there or, um, or just be ready to drive a car yourself. Uh, in between Fernie and, uh, Kicking Horse is a panorama right near the town of Invermere. Now, Panorama is a place I take my family almost every year. It's, I think it's, you know, close to Calgary, the best family hill because you've got on hill accommodation. That's fairly reasonable. You have some big hot tubs outside that the kids like. And then you've got a big mountain that it doesn't get a ton of snow. It's kind of in in shadow early in the season, but it's a fun mountain for kids to learn. And if you do get a snow day, there's a ton of fun terrain. But you know, is is Panorama one of the resorts you go to on on your tours? You know what? I've I've had pressure from partners and and from Panorama Resort as well to include it in our tours. And as of yet, we don't. Uh, the reason is because. I think it fits into a different category than the other resorts on the Powder Highway. I think it's, like you said, really beautiful, really fun, great for a family, great for a couple, um, even great for a group, but not not the same group that wants to ski Revelstoke or Kicking Horse. There's just something about it that's just a little bit off-brand for me on the Powder Highway. But that being said, it, it's an incredible place. The views are amazing. The accommodations are lovely. There's great heli skiing there. Those hot pools you mentioned are fantastic. There are other hot springs nearby that are an easy day trip away. Um, when they do get snow, it's epic. But again, they just they don't get the snow quite as frequently and, and as reliably as the other places. So as of yet, I don't go there on any tours, but I, I want to. It is they have this Tayton Bowl, which is uh it's a lot of fun. But the problem is, you know, great terrain with bad snow, it's you focus more on the bad snow than the great terrain. Now, speaking of kind of, you know, similar snowpacks, a lot of people know the next places really well, which is the Banff Lake Louise corridor. And, uh, you know, talk about those, that area and, and where you like to take clients. Yeah. So I skied the powder highway for so many years. I ignored the Rockies 
Um, I went there in the spring once all the Powder Highway resorts were closed up for the most part. One of my favorite things about the Rockies is that they are in operation right till the end of May, like May 29th, last weekend in May is usually when Lake Louise shuts down. Um, so for anybody who's not completely sick of skiing or broken by the end of the season, that's a fantastic place. And, and that being said, I have started going to the Rockies more in the middle of the season and it's really growing on me. Banff as a base is just too much fun. The amount of restaurants, the hot springs, also nightlife. That's, that's actually a place that does have some nightlife. Um, incredible shopping. If anybody were interested, are you to your ski pants? Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, Banff is tons of fun. They're Norquay, Nikiska, uh, Sunshine, Lake Louise, they're all close by. It's iconic Canadian scenery. So we actually, new for this year is we've brought back our Rocky ski tour, which we offered before COVID and then haven't had it running for the last couple of years. I'm super excited for that to come back. It combines Sunshine, Lake Louise, Kicking Horse, and Fernie for a big circle, which is uh, amazing it's it's got the power highway element in there plus the rockies my favorite places in the rockies lake louise is incredible they have terrain that you can hike to that's super steep fun rocky it'll really challenge you the north side um forget what it's called but basically right off the the top of lake louise and down the back there's a ton of spicy terrain in there um huge moguls the calgarians are real mogul skiers they're like it's impressive and terrifying at the same time. Like some of those moguls are up to my nipples, I swear. Going down, I think ptarmigan chairs. Yeah. Um, there's some fun steep trees back there. Temple Lodge is is an incredible patio, especially on those warmer, sunnier days. And you know what? One thing that Lake Louise has that is, I think, probably what it, it does better than anyone is spring skiing because it faces directly west on its on its main face. It heats up in the sun and it turns into slush in the spring and it is the funnest. Like it's hard to be the train park right at the bottom inside of the patio. It's just incredible. The views are amazing. Um, and it, I think for spring, that's like the number one destination to go. I love everything you said there. Um, as someone, these are like my local hills. Not everyone who's listening is, you know, looking for super spicy, intense skiing. Having had my kids learn, Lake Louise has some incredible learning slopes where you have nice long, long runs where they actually even like block off these runs. So you don't have, you know, people flying down and it's really, really a nice place to learn. The problem with Lake Louise is you got to stay in the village. So you got to drive or a shuttle every morning. Uh, it's the same in Sunshine as well, except for they have one hotel there. Now the hotel used to, we used to go there kind of every year or two. But I looked for this year and it's now, I think it's $1,000 a night to stay on hill at sunshine. Uh, and that's if you've got a, uh, like a lift, like a mountain collective card. Staying on on hill at sunshine is epic, but it's now kind of like, you know, staying on hill at uh, Rebbe where it's, it's too expensive. Um, two other things I, I wanted to mention, the cold. And so a lot of people don't realize... December and January gets really, really cold. And it seems every every year between Christmas and New Year's, we get a blast of minus 30 weather. And you see all these people have come out skiing for, you know, for that little break. And it's just like you can't you can't downhill ski if it's below minus 30 uh, without, you know, your toes get frozen or what you have, you get cold. But the flip side is because it's off season, you can get some really good deals in January and February if you want to go stay in Banff, like really attractive, like half of what summer rates are. So 
it's kind of like an affordable option though every year it seems you know what bam's getting more more popular so the 90 dollar rooms i don't think are around anymore but you can still get a room for between 150 and 200 a night um which is is attractive for you know a place that's usually you know three to five hundred in summer yeah and that's not just any room either like I, I won't lie it's one of my guilty pleasures is i'm starting to take a lot more time to get to the powder highway now so i'll fly into calgary grab one of our vans in calgary go through banff usually get straight to the powder highway and then on the way back i'll stop in banff and just you know take a look on booking.com oh Look at that. There's a beautiful resort with a wood fireplace right in the room and a huge outdoor hot tub. Then, like you said, it's like 150 a night and usually 500 or something. So definitely love that. It's it's a lot of fun. And, and also, just to, to go back to your point about it being super cold in the Rockies, that's a place that's good when it's cold because there's so much else to yeah, do. You can go just checking out, like having a nice coffee at Chateau Lake Louise. You can go to numerous hot springs. Um you can go dog sledding or sleigh riding around Banff town. You can just go on a wildlife cruise and find herds of elk places. Um, so if you're going to get kind of busted up because it's it's too cold to ski, that's a good place to do it. I, I want to talk about two other places that are nearby but kind of often missed. One is Marmot up in Jasper, and the other is Castle Mountain down, down south near Waterton. Thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> and And both those hills I love because... They're so quiet. They've got some really interesting terrain. Castle's one of my, you know, guilty pleasures. The top red chair is just out of this world terrain. Yeah, you know what? I am ashamed to say that I've skied Castle once, but it was part of a cat skiing day. And I'd always heard about the terrain there. And I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Like, I'm a kicking horse. But when I went there, we just got to ski down like the bottom of a run to get back to the chair, to take the chair up, to get back to the cat. But I was looking out at this ridge and I will be back. Like that was incredible. It, like hard to find elsewhere. Just the fall line of steep, serious terrain there is is out of this world and I cannot wait. I'm actually considering designing like a week-long program there where people just show up and ski their legs right off and then go off. Oh, really? Yeah, the hard part with, with Castle, it's just, it's hard to get. Actually, it's the same with Mermit is Castle... If there's a big snow day, you're driving on small highways in a ru- you know rush of cars. They haven't been been plowed for two and a half or three hours. And every time I've done it, I just think this is the dangerous thing I've done in a long time because it's dark and you're driving and you can't see and there's animals on the road and you know you can stay nearby in Pincher Creek, not a great town. It's like a an agricultural town. There's still a few cabins on the bottom there's a hostel on the bottom but not great accommodations nearby so you kind of almost have to drive in and in, in a sense that's what keeps everyone away that a big powder day you're still skiing right onto the lift and getting fresh tracks you know it's like cat skiing for a hundred dollar lift ticket i hope all the van lifers are paying attention <laughs> to that we can just sit there exactly yeah no it's such a cool place it's it's kind of like the mount kane mount kane is on I, I guess that's a region we haven't touched on is vancouver island yeah no, yeah like, up, up north on vancouver island another another real special place yeah exactly um yeah great snow out there really cool vibes mount kane's like a real backwater kind of place a lot of people camping in the parking lot and stuff like that great community castle's the exact same it's super super cool place and then let's just let's just touch a bit on marmot you talked about the dangerous drive from lake louise to jasper i actually flipped my my car there you know five or eight years ago on that road it is you know i'm an experienced winter driver and 
it's just a shitty road in winter, like pardon the French. It's a, it, it can be the worst, the worst conditions you'll drive in. Well, and you're coming up from Calgary all the way there. I, I would be hard pressed to make that trip unless I were going out for a few days, but it's, it's also the most accessible for people from Edmonton as well. I've only skied Marmot a couple times and it's, it's gorgeous. Again, hot springs, not too far away. Jasper's a great town. Um, really fun terrain, very alpine, not a ton of trees or anything, but it's utterly beautiful, fairly dry, kind of thinner, rocky snowpack. If you're doing the commute for a day from Vance, definitely not a good idea. <laughs> no, 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 impossible. The, yeah, you, it's, it is in summer, it's about three hour drive in winter. I budget five, just, I'm going to go 50 or 60 cause, um, they don't plow it. Uh, uh, in the middle of the year. So you're, you're going on hard pack. You can be going on ice. Uh, spring is, is when I thought my car, it was a spring thaw and just a bunch of conditions led to this kind of really freak situation with a frost heave and, you know, a couple inches of slush on a, a North facing descent. And, uh, but it's, yeah, it's, it's a place where you want to go for three or four days. Cause that drive's going to take you almost a full day. Interesting. Um, Going back to what we were saying about the Outer Highway in Western Canada being pretty serious for getting around by car, out of this this conversation, 100% of us have flipped our cars on the Powder <laughs> Highway or the Ronkies. Uh, yeah, no, but it's, it's and, and anyone who does a lot of skiing, like I know uh, lots of other people who've had the same thing, no matter what, I've, I've got studded winter tires. And even with those, these conditions, you know, mountain conditions, and what happens on north facing, south facing, east facing, west facing roads, ascents and descents, frost heaves, uh, uh, freeze thaw. Um, you know, I, when I flipped, I was going 60 kilometers an hour in daylight and people were passing me and I just hit the one point where the frost heave basically rocketed the car up and threw us off the road. Oh man. What are you driving? That was an SUV. That was a, a four by four SUV with studded tires. And, um, you know, you think I, I, I you know, yeah, my sister was with me. She's like, you did everything right. Like you were driving slow. You're taking, you're taking care. And I just hit, you know, you just hit that one heave that just sends you flying. The road, um, turn, started to turn going downhill and the car just flew up, hydroplaned on this, on the slush and, and went over. And, um, we were, we were lucky that there was, you know, it wasn't a cliff there, but there's lots of other places on these highways where if you go off, you're, you're dead. You know, we had, we went into some trees and you know, totaled the car, but we're okay. But uh, yeah, it's, you know, if you're not, even if you're used to this, it's dangerous. You realize the danger if you're not used to it. I think what happens is you don't realize where the danger lies and you see guys in trucks going 120 kilometers an hour. You think, oh, I'll go 120 kilometers an hour in the minivan I rented from budget in, in bald summer tires. And then you realize, oh, this is, this is mm-hmm. not good. The way I think of it is I drive the speed I want to be going when I hit something. Oh, I love that. <laughs> right. <laughs> logic. <laughs> um, yeah. let's, I want to talk a little bit, uh, just before we go about finding ski buddies, because I hear, um, lots of people, they want to do these trips. They're on their own and they're like, I don't, I don't want to do these trips on my own. It's complex. It costs a lot to rent a car, get a single room, figure this all out. And so how do your trips work for people that, you know, maybe they're a single person there are a couple of friends that don't want to deal with everything on their own. Yeah. Totally. Okay. So this is, this is huge on my mind all the time. This is, this is largely why our tours exist as well and, and who they're really good for. I, the way I see it, there are a few different kinds of ski people. There are like the savant mathematical types that like to ski on their own and they do it by choice. 
I won't lie, I'm sometimes one of those. And then there are the people who go skiing with their buddies and their buddies and them, they you know, they have this thing going and they do it every year. It's just a set thing. And then there are the people that are, their, their buddies don't have the same days off or don't like to ski. Let's face it, as North Americans, we have like 10 days off a year where we're allowed to go do stuff. Some of us have to spend that on honeymoons or on medical things or helping the in-laws. We don't get to go skiing every year with our friends. So if that's you and you're looking to go skiing and have a ton of fun, share all the laughs, have somebody to have a beer with at the end of the day, soak in a hot tub with and not kind of just mutter on your own and on the chairlift with your headphones on, um, that is what our tours are for. So we, we, we've been named the top tour company in Canada for solo travelers. That's partly because we get so many solo travelers and partly because we're, we have some policies that make it really easy for people to join tours as a solo traveler. Um, so this is a fantastic way for you to go from skiing all on your own begrudgingly to skiing with 11 other people and two locals who are all a ton of fun. Um, everybody's laughing, making fun of each other, your yard sales, you can share, there's photos. We always have a nap parade drink at the end of the day. We go on for lunch together, uh, usually soak in a hot tub when we get back to the hotel, um, and then go out for dinner together. So you're not alone at all. You can be alone if you feel like during the day or whenever. It's just a fantastic way for people who don't have somebody to ski with to go with a group of friends. And over the years, I've seen some really cool things happen. We get people who are 30, we get people who are 70. The thing that keeps them all together is that they love skiing. They chose to come to the Powder Highway. They took the weird connecting flight to get there. They don't mind sitting in their van. They're scraping frost off the glass to get first chair. Um, And then we get up there and we all have the same passions. It's super fun. The laughs, it's all contagious. And yeah, just a fantastic place. But one thing you didn't mention is when you go to a new ski hill, it always takes me a while to figure out where the heck I should be. And usually I spend at least the morning skiing the totally the wrong stuff. And I don't realize, oh yeah, this stuff, you know, this side of the mountain is going to freshen up and soften up in the afternoon. I'm skiing really icy stuff. And then, you know, day two or three, it's like, oh, now I know where to ski. But if you only have 10 days or 12 days, if you can start skiing the right runs, the right runs for you from the get-go and get an insider's perspective to find the powder stashes or find the great, you know, the, the snow that's going to be soft first thing in the morning. Like that just amplifies. It makes such better value of your time because you're not going to waste a quarter or half your time in a resort figuring it out. Someone's going to give you all that information right from the start. That's why we ski for two days at each resort because in those two days, you get to ski the runs that took me 10 years to find. So it, it really makes use of your time. You get to ski all the best stuff when you go into the bar and you talk to a local and you're like, oh, I just went down Dutch wallet. They're like, oh my God, are you crazy? Like, how did you know it was there? Um, so yeah, that that's definitely a great point as well. You know, Alex, it's been great talking skiing. I'm so excited. Uh, I got to go and get my oldest son new skis uh, in the next month or so, but we've got all our trips booked. We're actually going to, uh, I think, five of the places we talked about today. So we'll be at Sun Peaks, Revy, uh, Panorama, Lake Louise, Sunshine, and Marmot. So we've got some ski safari action. One of the benefits of living in Calgary and the Western Canada is you have access to all this. But uh, and you inspired me. I've never been to Whitewater. I've never skied the Okanagan. Uh, I've never skied Red. So you inspired me to go check out some new places. Maybe not this year, but next year. Totally. Well, let's keep in touch. We've been trying to get a beer for like two years. So let's. Uh, why don't we do it at a ski hill? Yeah, we're always missing each other. But yeah, maybe this year we can we can meet each other. We're you know you're we're in the same neck of woods. But uh, thanks for sharing your expertise and coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me.
It's been fun. And we'll put some links to uh, the tours Alex discussed in the show notes. And uh, Alex is always available to talk shop. You can hear the passion he has for skiing in his voice. So uh, any questions you have, just reach out. And uh, with that, thanks for listening to this episode of the 10 Adventures podcast. We'll be back next week to explore the world, hear about more epic adventures. Listen to other episodes of the 10 Adventures podcast on Amazon Music at amazon.com slash 10adventures.